Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. Hey there. Before we begin, our year-end member campaign is underway at St. Louis Public Radio, and your support makes podcasts like We Live Here, Cut and Paste, and The Gateway all possible. So please take a quick moment to donate online at stlpublicradio.org or call 314-516-4000. And now, on with the show. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Friday, December 11th. I'm Ryan Delaney, sitting in for Wayne Pratt. Ahead, essential workers in the St. Louis region have been working in public spaces during the coronavirus pandemic. They want to work, but worry they're putting themselves and their loved ones at risk. You know, we're jeopardizing our families by, you know, still coming to be essential workers because we had a lot of people to quit. Essential workers in different industries describe the challenges of working during the pandemic. But first, today's news. Coronavirus cases continue to increase in the St. Louis region since a dip around the Thanksgiving holiday. The metro area has seen an average of 1,937 new cases per day over the last week. Missouri is averaging nearly 4,000 cases a day, while more than 9,000 people in Illinois are contracting the virus. Since March, more than 2,600 people in the metro area have died. Missouri's test positivity rate is 17 percent. Illinois stands at 9.5%. And a judge has disqualified St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner from a high-profile case where two lawyers pointed guns at protesters. St. Louis Associate Circuit Judge Tom Clark granted a request to bring in another attorney to prosecute Mark McCloskey's case. He's been charged with unlawful use of a weapon and tampering with a weapon. Both Mark and Patricia McCloskey gained national attention after they were photographed pointing their guns as protesters walked past their house in the Central West End. Patricia McCloskey was charged with the same offense as her husband, and a judge hasn't ruled on whether Gardner can remain on her case. Gardner said in a statement, quote, we will review the court order and determine our options. With just seven meetings left in the session, St. Louis aldermen are set to wrestle with allowing a surveillance plane to fly over the city. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman has more on legislation that is set to be introduced at the board today. The bill would authorize the St. Louis Police Department to enter into a three-year agreement with Ohio-based persistent surveillance systems. The plan would be used to help with the investigation of a number of crimes. Most are serious felonies, but the bill also authorizes the plane to be used to investigate illegal dumping. Funding would come from an unidentified private source. Supporters say that with the city on pace for 260 homicides this year, the police need all the help they can to reduce crime. Opponents say there's no evidence that the flights work and they are a violation of civil liberties. Legislation that would provide some oversight of surveillance systems, including the plane, has stalled at the Board of Aldermen. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Illinois health officials want people to be prepared for the possibility of mild and temporary side effects from the coronavirus vaccine. Up to a quarter of vaccine trial participants reported having a fever, headache, or general sense of malaise. But Illinois Public Health Director Ngaze Nzike says there's no reason for a healthy adult to not get the vaccine when they become eligible. We are aware of that. We're wanting to make sure that people are aware of that so that if they experience some of those symptoms or all of them, that they don't think that something's wrong, but instead understand that that is uh, an, an effect of the vaccine. Azike says the trials show symptoms often appear after the second vaccine dose. 
After older people in the U.K. were given the world's first non-trial vaccine doses this week, two had allergic reactions but were able to recover after administering their EpiPens. An investigation into seven veterans' homes overseen by the Missouri Veterans Commission found that it failed to plan and properly respond to the COVID-19 outbreak in their facilities. Since November, more than 340 veterans at the homes have tested positive for COVID-19. 103 veterans have died. Tim Noonan, the chair of the Missouri Veterans Commission, was a guest on St. Louis on the Air Thursday. He says that they acknowledge shortcomings found in the report. We've got work to do, and and we're going to re-earn the trust. Um, not only of, of our veterans and their families, but also our frontline workers. Noonan says they have prioritized making sure those veterans and frontline workers receive the vaccine. Many people in the St. Louis region are trying to help keep the coronavirus from spreading by working from home and avoiding crowds. But some workers have no choice but to be out and about. They're nursing home workers, bus drivers, cooks, and child care providers. They're the so-called essential workers who have to interact with the public during the coronavirus pandemic. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, those workers struggle to keep going and worry they're putting themselves and their families at risk. Christopher Bennett took all of the precautions to protect himself from COVID-19. The 53-year-old works as a food service cook at a St. Louis area hospital and wears masks and gloves. He sanitizes all areas of the kitchen, but he still got sick. Bennett is an essential worker whose job requires him to go to work. When he tested positive for the coronavirus in September, he thought of his worst fears. Me working inside a hospital, I didn't want to run across somebody and take it to my family, my kids, you know, or anybody that I care for. He was hospitalized for about two weeks after developing pneumonia and put on oxygen. He's recovering now, but back at work. He still doesn't know exactly how he contracted the virus. Over the past nine months, many essential workers have had to go to work. Many employers require workers to wear masks and other protective gear. But that doesn't take away their fear. You know, we're jeopardizing our families by, you know, still coming to be essential workers because we had a lot of people to quit. That's Ashley Mosley, a cook and a certified nursing assistant at Crestwood Healthcare Center and Bell Fountain Gardens, both in St. Louis County. A lot of people got scared in the, the medical field and they quit on us, which is I don't blame them. But, you know, a lot of us stayed too. Mosley says a lot of people quit because they were worried about the virus, but also because they didn't get hazard pay. At one point, she received hazard pay from both jobs, but when the number of positive cases dropped, she stopped getting it. She's tested for the virus at both jobs each week. But with so many people leaving the job, there's extra stress on her and others who keep working. Mosley has three children and is glad that family members can take care of them, but she knows that others don't have that same kind of support. You have people that um, have children that went to daycare. The daycare shut down. The schools shut down. Our kids needed some place to go. We have to pay people to watch our children. So we're like, well, can you pay us a little extra so we can, you know, be able to have places for our children to go? The pandemic's impact on daycare workers isn't lost on Lisa Shear. She's the director of Baden Christian Child Care Center in North St. Louis. She's worked in child care for over 20 years. She says this year has been especially difficult for daycare workers. Some have lost their jobs because of the economic downturn. She says parents are often hesitant to have their children around other kids who may carry the virus. That's led some parents to keep their kids at home and some daycares to close. Shear has managed to keep her doors open, but it's been tough. I don't know what January looks like for us because, 
you know, we have been able to get um, the payroll protection loan. We were able to get um, some City CARES Act funding and, and grants here or there. But all of those things, you know, are gone. Shear says before the pandemic, her center enrolled about 50 kids and provided transportation. She says the center has stopped picking up kids because of safety concerns, and now about 12 arrive every day. Damon Spiller also worries about safety. He's a bus driver from Metrobus. He says the company gives drivers bleach and water to sanitize their seats. Metrobus also has cut the number of buses on the streets of Missouri. Spiller loves being a bus driver, but says workers are still at risk. You're not out there as much as you used to be. You're not out there as long as you used to be. But you're still out there. And I mean, it doesn't take eight hours to get coronavirus. Essential workers say they want to stay on the job, but they hope that they can keep themselves and their families as safe as possible. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis Public Radio's executive editor is Shula Newman. Keep up with the news throughout the day at stlpublicradio.org or follow the newsroom on Twitter at stlpublicradio. Our music is by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Ryan Delaney, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Wayne Pratt will be back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.